1: a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there.
2: Listen to the highly anticipated 100th episode of Tank and Jay Valentine's
1: R&B Money podcast with artist Chris Brown. Even working with you, from Carrie Hillson, Adonis. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, I was 15, 14 doing that album. So, like I said, I was in school. Like, yeah, yeah. okay, this is how you do it. This is how you make a song. There's a verse, a pre chorus and then a hook. <laughs> I didn't know none of that. You learned I, that over a summer, bro. That's what it felt like. That's what it felt like. Listen to
2: R&B Money on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins.
1: Hey, history fans, if you want a double dose of history, here's a rerun for today, brought to you by Tracy V. Wilson. We hope it makes previous episodes for this date easier to find in the feed. Welcome to this day in history class from HowStuffWorks.com and from the desk of Stuff You Missed in History Class. It's the show where we explore the past one day at a time with a quick look at what happened today in history.
2: Hello, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Christopher Hasiotis. Your regular host, Tracy V. Wilson, is out this week, so thanks for having me. It's December 10th, and one of the biggest heists in Japanese history happened on this day in 1968. Just under 300 million yen was stolen from a secure vehicle outside Tokyo. In 1968, that amount was worth around 820,000 U.S. dollars. Adjusted for inflation, that'd be like stealing the equivalent of $6 million in today's money. Here's how it all went down. On December 10th, Four employees of the Nihon Shintaku Ginko Bank were transporting this massive sum of cash. Security was tight, as a bank manager had just days prior received threats of explosives in the mail. The money was intended to be used as bonuses for factory workers employed by technology conglomerate Toshiba. The vehicle was traveling through Fuchu, the city in the greater metro area of Tokyo where the factory was located. A policeman riding a white Yamaha motorcycle stopped the car, just about a block's distance from the factory gate. The policeman informed the crew in the car that their bank manager's house had been bombed, and police had reason to believe the car they were driving was likewise wired with dynamite. As the four employees exited the car, the policeman said he'd examine the underside of the vehicle, while beneath the car he'd discreetly set off a flare. The four employees saw smoke and flames, and when they heard the man, whom they believed to be a policeman, yelling for them to run for safety, that's exactly what they did. He, on the other hand, hopped in the car loaded with cash and just drove off. The vehicle was later discovered abandoned without either the cash or the driver within. The ensuing investigation saw the Japanese police go all in. More than 170,000 police officers and hundreds of detectives were involved in the search for the thief. Police collected more than 120 pieces of evidence at the crime scene, including the thief's abandoned police motorcycle, which turned out to have been painted to look official, but wasn't. The security employees described the culprit Sketches were made and circulated, and the hunt was on. More than 100,000 people were interviewed in 1968 for the case. The first suspect was the 19-year-old son of a motorcycle policeman, but just five days after the robbery, the teenager died of potassium cyanide poisoning, raising suspicions. The death, however, was ultimately ruled a suicide, and he wasn't implicated. A year later, at the end of 1969, Police arrested a 26-year-old man on an unrelated charge. He resembled the composite image created of the thief, but he too was ultimately exonerated when he was able to prove he was taking a test at the time of the robbery. On November 15, 1975, just months before the seven-year statute of limitations was set to expire, police arrested a friend of the 19-year-old first suspect. They'd found large amounts of unexplained cash in his possession. In the end, Nothing came of that inquiry either, and the statute of limitations on criminal charges was reached in December of 1975. A separate period of civil liability expired in 1988. After that date, the thief would not have been at risk of any legal repercussions. He could legally benefit from profits from the crime. He could have written a book, for instance, or sold his story to a TV station. A 1999 investigation by the newspaper Shukan Hoseki identified a potential suspect then in his 50s, However, other publications found significant flaws with that theory, and it was ultimately abandoned. As of the recording of this episode, half a century later, the case remains unsolved. The culprit has never come forward, and the money remains lost. For years, it was the largest robbery in Japan's history. Most recently, it was surpassed by a 2004 robbery of 500 million yen, which was then surpassed by a 2011 robbery where two masked men stole 604 million yen, or about 7.4 million dollars. But the 1968 robbery, the 300 million yen robbery as it's known, remains the most notorious in the public's memory. The original crime has inspired numerous books, articles, comics, and TV shows, as well as the 2000 film Sanoku and Jiken. Thanks to Casey Pegram and Chandler Mays for their audio work on this show. You can subscribe to This Day in History class on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever else you like to find your podcasts. Come back tomorrow and we'll learn about a royal trial.
1: The therapy for black girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts,
0: or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest To getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Listen to the highly anticipated 100th episode of Tank and Jay Valentine's R&B Money Podcast with artist Chris Brown.
1: Even working with you from Kerry Hillson, Adonis. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, I was 15, 14 doing that album. So like I said, I was in school. Like, yeah, yeah. okay, this is how you do it, this is how you make a song. There's a verse, a pre chorus and then a hook. I didn't know none of that. You learned I, that over a summer, bro. That's what it felt like. That's what it felt like. Listen
2: to RB Money on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your
0: podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins.